0: everyone and welcome back to the tight beam something is is different as i'm sure you're noticing now about 10 seconds into the episode and that is the fact that the men aren't bringing you into the show today (gasps) it is i shannon your (laughs) co-host
1: everybody
0: (laughs) bringing us in stop listening now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's here she's here uh, sh- 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 sh. yeah that's right um tonight we are missing lou uh he had some sort of weird plan thing i don't know it's something called a birthday do do they I don't, celebrate those still not in space in space you don't have about birthdays my birthday. interesting your birthday hasn't even come up yet Oh, that's why, okay. That that would probably be why. So uh, the voices you hear right now are, of course, mine, Shannon, who is bringing you in tonight, and Andrea. So Andrea, how are you tonight?
2: I am fantastic. I'm actually a little bit excited that Eric and uh-uh. Lou are not here. I think we did a really good job corralling them into the <laughs> airlock and pushing that big red button.
0: Yeah, okay. Um. Sure. I'm doing great. Oh, yeah. How are you doing, Shannon? <laughs> I'm not doing that is what I'm doing. Um... Somebody has to die in this episode. Oh, God. <laughs> well, speaking of dying, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's get we have a couple of news stories uh, this week, and one of them is wrapping up a story that is near and dear to my heart, which is the, the Expanse RPG Kickstarter which ended uh, shortly after we recorded our last episode. We have a bad job. We do a bad job at like getting the news like seconds after we record. Yeah. Well, we knew that though. At least we knew that. We were prepared for that. And in fact, we can now say that Lou was wrong. Uh, The Kickstarter did in fact meet its final stretch goal. After a month of of being live the uh expanse rpg kickstarter did in fact make four hundred two thousand eight hundred thirty two dollars from five thousand seven hundred and fourteen backers which is a lot of money and Mm -hmm. a lot of people so uh lou was wrong uh we did it i mean i knew I, i was a little skeptical too um but i you know getting closer to the end i was a little worried but while i was at work they did it um in wild last minute fashion which typically seems to be how the expanse does things nowadays um but all stretch goals are met which means we are going to get a new short story by james sa Corey, which takes place between the first two books uh we are going to have uh deck plans for various ships including the mcrn corvette class the rossinante Um, we're going to have like a poster that comes in, in the limited edition or the special edition that was only available to Kickstarter people. And we're probably going to have a game. Let's be real. We're going to need some way to fill our time until the show comes back on the air. So I suspect we will be playing. Um, I'm getting my edition. Andrea, did you, did you back it? Uh, no, but Fred did <laughs> okay. So, Andrea got someone to back it in her stead.
1: <laughs> I um, which a gun is at typical.
0: Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she drove all the way to where Fred lives, which is far away from where she lives, and put a gun to his head. Um, so yeah, uh, so expect that. Um, we're really excited, there's a lot of really cool stretch goals um, some neat little short story. Like, like I said, we're going to have a new short story. We're getting a lot of information on the different factions. And again, I'm, I'm most excited for the, uh, Corvette class deck plans because the Rasenante deck plans, and this is probably going to be more book canon than show canon, but the, the deck plans have been in debate for a long time. So it will be good to have something like in paper illustrated able to see where things are yeah Yeah. it's super super exciting and i'm i'm just ready to get down the nitty-gritty and play a game i'm ready uh andrew why don't you tell us about the other big bit of news
2: All right. So if you're on Twitter, you've been hearing about this. It's been all over. Everybody's been hyping it. So People's Choice Awards voting are open now. Um, The preliminary voting um, to get into the final awards. So 25 votes a day on the E's website. Um, So please, please, please. We know you love the Expanse, so start voting again. Twenty-five votes a day, um, so that they can get into the final awards voting. Um, I think that we have the potential to send this through the roof. So let's keep it going.
0: I'm a little less uh, hopeful. Like I, I think we're gonna do a great job, but you know we're up against the juggernauts of the CW. <laughs> it's okay. Um, just have some faith. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if we keep voting, uh, we might actually make the votes, which is a big deal in and of itself. So like, all you know, it is really important that we make it to to the um, final awards voting because to to be up against you know shows like Arrow, and it is a combined care- category, which is a little frustrating, but. Uh, such is life. Um, but we're up against like Supergirl and Supernatural and Arrow and Shadowhunters and my god, like uh black black lightning. Um we're up against like every every genre show there is on network television. So um yeah, keep voting. We've already retweeted the link. Uh we'll retweet it again, I'm sure. Um just keep voting. 25 votes a day. Do it. And you can do it with multiple emails too. Cass was telling people to do that. <laughs> oh, Cass. <laughs> just, just if you can't win, just cheat. Just. <laughs> that's that's how Holden lives his life. Um, so yeah. Uh let's vote. Let's do it. Let's at least get to the awards. Let's get some exposure for this show. Uh, which is always, 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 always important, uh, especially right now. Given what's happened over the last few months. So we got some plans. Got some. Got a lot of plans. uh, For this hiatus. Don't we, Andrea? Oh, yes, we do. This is a very weird segment, but we're going to go with it. Um, <laughs> Everybody's like, what the hell
2: <laughs> is going on here? Just just go with it. Bring that clue. It. We're going to hear the hashtags. I can already hear them being typed out. The hashtags
0: have been being typed since we put this show out, let's be honest. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of plans for the hiatus. Um, as you guys know, we've been uh interviewing some members of the cast and crew and we're still working on getting more of those interviews going um we've already interviewed bob monroe um we've interviewed uh francois chow uh, and we had a nice chat with tyler blake smith and you know we're still we're still rolling that and in a few minutes we're going to tell you who we're talking to tonight uh if you couldn't b- tell by the title it's
2: oh wait, wait before you continue it's very do you interest- want to just no no, no. It's very interesting hmm. that- many of the people that except for bob of course many of the people that we are interviewing are bad guys
1: oh, that's like true. it's yeah.
2: crazy
0: only the bad that's people want true. to talk to us <laughs> well i wouldn't say that <laughs> i did speak to someone else not being on the show they're just harder to get he's still bad <laughs> wow i'm gonna tell him that <laughs> i don't care Anyways, moving on. He's going to show up. (laughs) He's going to show up. Oh, yeah. What kind of villain do you play? Excuse me? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. um, We've been interviewing the villains of The Expanse for the last few months. Um, And we're still sticking some feelers out. We do have another one planned. uh, And we're still working on getting more. But... You know, obviously, we can't get people to be our guests on every episode. We've just been lucky the last few weeks. So we do have some plans to cover. uh, We did, like, quick episodes on seasons one and two, and we are going to try and go more in-depth with that, whether by single episode or by two or three episodes at a time. We'll figure that out. We haven't gotten that far yet. Um, We definitely want to talk about uh, the books and the novellas, which is something... Uh, we've been dying to talk about. We've kind of been reining it in uh, for the benefit of our show watching audience, and um, we do want to take a couple episodes here and there to talk about the books and especially talk about the books and the show because that's a something we've heard from our listeners is that when we say how we feel about something that was tra- that was brought in from the books that was done differently, we don't explain it because we don't want to spoil the books, and some people actually want to hear what we what we think about that so that's something we're gonna try and get into as well um you know we've already talked about how we're trying to get more guests uh which is very exciting and we are we are doing our best but at the same time we also want to know what you guys want to hear covered is there something you want us to do do you want like character episodes do you want like more things like when we're going to do our role playing game episodes eventually when the books come out do you want like more playful episodes even where we i don't know is there like we could play the board game can we play the board game over the over the skype chat ah uh, we could probably talk about it and see if we can just let us know what you want to hear covered we've got a lot of time until season 4 uh, and we are going to need to fill that space. You know, we can probably fill a lot of space with book and novella stuff. I mean, Tia Wrath got pushed back. So now we're not even going to be able to talk about that until at least March or April. Um, so let's let's, you know, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you think we've missed, uh, what you think deserves some airtime. If you want us to focus on themes even or whatever, just let us know. Uh, We have a ton of ways you guys can get back to us. You can get back to us on Twitter. We'll talk about that um, more at the end of the episode about where you can reach us because, ladies and gentlemen, as I might have hinted at earlier, we do have another guest tonight. We have a very cool guest. We have, like, peak guest. (laughs) Um, Ladies and gentlemen, tonight our guest is the one the only the elias to Fexus. the
2: elias <laughs> it's
0: the <not> just elias <laughs> hey hey he's a legend he's a man the myth the legend he's a, he's a mocap legend <laughs> and i'm sure we'll get into that in the interview so stay tuned the interview with elias is coming right up
2: so, on this episode of the Type Beam, we have the man, the myth, the legend, the man who does a fantastic job at finding roles where he seems to always die. Tonight joining us is the Sean Bean of the Expanse, Elias Twofexis. Elias, it's a pleasure to have you here.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, guys.
2: It's so exciting. Before we started recording, uh we were talking he he came in with this powerful voice and we were like, "Whoa, who do we just invite into this recording?" um <laughs> uh, so it was really cool just to see both actor and voice actor just coming together. Um so the very first thing that we want to talk to you about is your work because you not only um Do acting, you do TV shows, commercials, all that stuff, but you also do the voice acting and have been part of some really cool video games. So, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the stuff that you've worked on?
3: Um, sure. I I fell into video games in a weird way because I I graduated from theater school like 10 years ago and a little longer than that. And, um, I started, you know, doing theater for free, trying to make ends meet. Wasn't working out, and then um, uh, you know I booked a movie here and there, and I booked some TV shows, and then suddenly I just would say I would say to my agent, "Well, you start sending me out on voice auditions because uh, people say I got a really a, a relatively cool or, or at least interesting uh, voice." So I started doing that, and then back when I was doing this, video games were only voice, not performance capture, like. A lot of them are now. Right. And I just, I just completely fell into it. It wasn't something I was actively searching for. I was actively searching for work. But, uh, when, uh, you know, when they, especially when I started video game protagonists, they all wanted them to sound kind of like I sound.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So it was just suddenly they said, they said, uh, Oh, he's got a great voice for this. Can you do this? And then I would audition and then I'd get that job. And then I'd audition and I'd get another job. And it suddenly it's, I became this video game guy. <laughs> it's funny because I do as much, if not more television as I do video games and other voice work. But the mm-hmm. video games I do are so popular.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: it over, it overshadows any of the television I do. Uh, it's always been funny for me that way. Like, oh, I'm, on, I'm on set more than I'm in a voice booth, but. <laughs> But these ga- these characters I play in the video game world are so over-the-top popular that that's what people always ask me about, which is fine. I That's not a complaint in any way.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, you, you did mention that you've been in really big popular games. I mean, Doosax, my brothers know you from that. And when I told them I was going to be interviewing, they lost their minds. Um, Assassin's Creed, you've been— I play a in, lot of
0: Assassin's Creed. Oh, in, in those I LA. <laughs>
2: And everybody loves Assassin's Creed. Not everybody, but most people, they know the franchise. They know what it's about. Um, Far Cry Primal, uh, you were there too. So, I mean, these are big, high-end um, video games that people do recognize. So it's really cool to be part of them. And, I mean, you do have that distinct voice, but you also have that edge to it that you can switch it around and make it unique. Um, so that's pretty awesome.
3: Yeah, and they're a lot of fun too. I mean, it depends on what, what your, um, you know, what the job entails. Like the, this new Assassin's Creed Odyssey I did, I worked on it for about six months, mm. but I think I was in a, an actual sound booth for maybe two hours.
1: <laughs> oh, I out know.
3: Of all Everything else was performance capture.
1: So yeah, we, were, cool. we had to
3: do it on the stage, um, which is great because you're working with other actors and you're, you know, you're, it, you're, face and body uh and uh and movements and emotions are all being captured at the same time as opposed to just your voice Mm
1: -hmm.
3: um which is uh you know it's i mean basically like stage acting really because you don't have to worry about camera angles and things like that for the most part um so it's it's changing but at the same time over the past two months really honestly the past two months i've done seven video games Oh, wow. None none of – all of varying size rules. Mm. Uh, a couple of really big ones, none of which I'm allowed to tell you about.
2: Oh, it's fair. Okay. Don't worry. fair.
3: We won't twist your arm
2: today.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but all of those are just voice, save for one which was voice in a voice booth, but they had a camera on my face.
1: Mm. So
3: there's facial capture and voice. But uh, that goes to show you how many games there are. They're still just doing, just doing voice. But the really big AAA ones – like Spider-Man came out today.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, everything in that, for the most part, was uh, was performance captured. All the cutscenes and things like that. Um, so these big AAA ones, they tend to go with the performance capture stuff. And um, I wouldn't say smaller games, but games you know that are more animation based, or the mm. like games like Fortnite, they don't do any performance capture for that. Right,
1: right. Because
3: why would they? It's just a cartoon that people are voicing. Mm. Uh, but that's a massive game, obviously, so I, I, don't know, I hesitate to say only big games. Yeah, yeah be careful
0: mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> we don't want to get any hate mail right here. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I play a lot of Overwatch, and I'm pretty sure we don't yeah. have, like, Overwatch giant monkeys set, out like, there. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, given that, you know, we are talking about, we are going to be talking about a sci-fi show, um, what is, like, your history with that genre? Like, do you... Consider yourself a part of any fandoms in sci-fi,
3: like. Well, I'm a I'm a I'm a massive sci-fi fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up. Um, this is the story I always tell when people ask me what, why I wanted to become an actor, and it's a true story. The fact is, when I saw Star Wars when I was five, um, I was so obsessed with it that I uh, ran away from home, and went door to door looking for Darth Vader.
1: Oh, until, oh.
3: until the cops found me and brought me home. Uh, <laughs> That's a dedication was, right there. <laughs> I was very happy with my home life. I just really needed to find.
0: Uh, yeah, he's really had to find it.
3: <laughs> but when I saw that, I said, okay, I want to be in the movies. Uh, I think really I just wanted to be a Jedi. You know, I was like five years old. But then, uh, and then as my, you know, as my uh, expansion, no pun intended, <laughs> of uh, – of arts, like, it exposed itself to me. It was just, you know, I, I discovered Shakespeare, uh, and I discovered, uh, um, I discovered heavier sci-fi that I was, that I really, really, really liked. I, I, what I mean by that is I really loved the old Star Trek shows,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, especially the original series. But what I love about it was, uh, uh, shows that, episodes, I don't know how big of fans you guys are of the old Star Trek, but episodes like uh, Sitting on the Edge of Forever Mm
1: -hmm.
3: where they go back in time and it's a moral dilemma they have to solve. Right, yeah, yeah. And and then, you know, um, uh, I don't remember the name of it. Oh, The Ultimate Computer, which was a great one, which is about leaving man and letting computers take over everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and those characters, I just fell in love. I'm such a massive... Such a massive Star Trek fan that it took over my love of Star Wars, and I became a like huge Star Trek fan, and then Next Generation also. And uh, uh, so I love those. I love all side I'm a big Blade Runner fan. Uh, I mean, I guess you wouldn't qualify Alien and Aliens as sci-fi, maybe a little bit,
1: mm. but
3: those, you know, I know every frigging sound of those movies by heart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I love, you know, I love, I love the genre. But in my, in terms of my career, I, I tend to. I tended to have fallen into all of these sci-fi shows like, uh, I mean, like The Expanse, for example, and, uh, mm-hmm.
1: you know, Alphas and Eureka yeah. and, uh, 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 what we call it? I'm forgetting the name of it. Stargate,
3: Stargate, Atlantis. Okay. Like I, was, right. I got to do all of these sci-fi shows, but that wasn't by choice. With a lot of actors, you just get what is available to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't live in Canada anymore with what I did, uh, it's just what they shot up there. Right. They shot. It's still those They shoot superhero shows and sci-fi shows. So I was on Smallville and Supernatural, and then I would end up on uh, Eureka and Painkiller Jane and Alphas and Expanse and like all the sci-fi shows that shot up there. And I did a bunch of crappy sci-fi movies, like mm. low budget, like two million dollar, three million dollar movies. With you know, I did one with space vampires. I did one with. Uh, uh giant uh, it was basically tremors but in, Af- <laughs> in afghanistan these like the classics. None these, yeah none of these movies were any good but uh right. it was all on the sci-fi channel and mm-hmm. it was all just i just fell into this and i i didn't do it on purpose it's not that I, I have any regrets but it was just that was what was available to me right right uh so i ended up being sci-fi has taken over my life in a way uh the sci-fi channel when the expanse aired uh and my character showed up. The Sci Fi Channel put on their website. It wouldn't be a Sci Fi Channel show without a two to Ah, so <laughs> and
1: good. And then they
3: named off like all the characters I played on their channel specifically. <laughs> they shot so much in Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
3: and those are the three places that I lived. Right. Um, but I love you know I adore I adore Sci Fi. Mm-hmm. Even I you know, you know I was on the new Star Trek. guest yeah, start on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: I, I, I
1: won't
3: talk about it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a good time shooting it. That's all I, had. I had a great time shooting it. All great people involved.
1: Mm. It,
3: it's just not so true. Mm. Anyway, let's go on. Yes.
2: <laughs> Let, let's, let's move on to happier news. <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you, I, and you don't have to answer it. Maybe it's a little bit too private. You Again, you can say no, and that's it. Was your decision to move because of the acting opportunities
3: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, we, you you introduced me as the guy who dies all the time on TV. There was <laughs> a there was a pragmatic reason, which was there were, there were only a certain amount of shows that shoot where I live, yeah. and I had done them and died on them. <laughs> so You've like, yeah, you know, found
1: bad. To leave some bad memories. <laughs> more
3: bad memories. shows, more shows come up all the time, of course. But
1: mm.
3: being an actor in Canada, you have to you're waiting for a couple of things. You're waiting for a show to come in. You're waiting for a part you can play in that show mm-hmm. and then you have to work and try to get that part. Right. So you're just constantly waiting for the right opportunity and it's like a threefold. I come down to LA and every American show goes through LA no matter where it shoots.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: So the competition is tenfold, but I'm still, uh, the, the, the availability of the characters is, is everything is here. Mm-hmm. So. It's less about having to wait for, you know, it's like, okay, the show's here. I remember when The Expanse got there, I was like, oh, i got to get on the show. Is there anything I can play? And then there was, you know, waiting for the right part, waiting for – well, I don't, I don't know if you want to get into that, but I have a really interesting story about how I got onto The Expanse.
2: Oh, yes. We're going to be asking you about <laughs> that. <laughs> so but, if you want to talk about, about it
3: afterwards. Also with voice, uh, there's there's not that many cartoons in Canada – there are a bunch of video games, but the same deal is a game, like a studio like Ubisoft, uh, let's say Quebec, that made Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. they work on Assassin's Creed for six to eight months to a year. Yeah. So that's their focus. So once I'm on that game, that's my job. And if I happen to have a smaller part, thankfully I didn't with this last one, but if I happen to have a smaller part, I'm burned on that game for nine yeah, right. months. So now i got to figure out where I'm going to get an income from another game and Hopefully those other games. Whereas down here, like I said, in two, three months, I've done seven video games. Yeah. Right.
1: It's
3: just constant. It's just constantly coming. So, uh, that, yeah, I mean, the, the real I, the, the the real truth is that I had always intended to come down here. I just had to get my papers in order, do it mm-hmm. legally and have enough money to earn. come down okay. here. I, I got two kids in life. And
1: exactly. I can drag yeah. them down
3: here unless I'm sure I'm going to be okay.
1: Right.
0: Well,
2: even over there, if you're not finding the jobs and stuff like that, it becomes a little bit more unstable. So, you know what? You you did it, and you're getting a lot of good results from it. So, we're really happy for you. Yeah. So, you, so far. So yeah, far. so far. Knock on wood. God, Andrea. That. Gosh, I just ruined <laughs> his career. <laughs> I'll
1: be good. I'll be good.
2: So. You alluded to it, so let's jump into The Expanse because that's what everybody wants to talk about um, other than all, all of the other stuff that um, we have discussed. Um, before you joined the show, before you auditioned for it, did you have any background on it? Have you read the books? Um, or was there any particular character that you wanted to audition for? Um, no, I hadn't
3: read the books uh, and what wanted- so here's what happened. <laughs> it's okay. an interesting story. It's a very interesting story, especially it's a very rare story for uh, for a Canadian actor. So I heard the show was coming to Canada.
1: Um,
3: I got the audition, and the audition was for
1: Amos. Okay. And I went in and read, and then got a callback. Met Terrence uh,
3: Winter was the director. I met Mark Fergus. In the callback, and we had a little bit of discussion of the character, and I did the callback, and I didn't hear anything for a bit, and then I thought, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't get it. Which, honestly, in, in Canada, a lead on a show from the U.S. in Canada is rare.
1: It happens, but it's rare. Right. So I wasn't really holding, I wasn't really holding my breath. A uh, few months later, I was, I told my agent, like, I really
3: like the script. It's really, it seems like a really cool show you got it like just keep your eye out if anything else. I think I did really well in the audition so keep your eye out. So nothing happened for a couple of months and then I still remember in it was November uh they had already started shooting and I knew I knew Cass cuz we both we both from Montreal. So uh I I hit him up and I was just like look man if any if there's any roles you think I can play that are coming up in the script just let me know. And you know, drop a little whispers in the ears of the producer and say, You know me, you know me, good And to his credit, that's absolutely what he did. Yeah. He he every time anytime uh he could, he, he mentioned my name. And so what happened was they called me again and they said, We want you to put yourself on tape for uh Havelock, the character that Jay Hernandez
1: Oh. For.
2: Interesting.
3: And I did, and I did a really good audition again, as far as as far as I know. But I didn't get it, obviously. Mm. And I really thought, I'm like, they're just, they're just messing with me now. You know, they're, they're like trying to throw a good actor in Canada a bone, but they're, they're going to give me like cop number two in one episode or something like that. And a few weeks later, actually in the, in the new year, I remember being really upset because I wasn't on the show.
1: Mm. And then
3: in the new year, my agent called me. He's like, so remember that, the expansion? I said, yeah, sure. Uh, I said, I love that show. (laughs) So they're offering you a role on it. And I said, oh, great, okay. But you have to understand, being a Canadian actor, a lot of times I'll go in and do an audition. Another reason why I moved down here is I'll do an audition and I'll kill it. I'll just absolutely kill the audition.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: then I'll get a call saying, we cast an American. We want to give you this role. And then I'll get the role, and it's like secretary number two.
1: Yeah. yeah,
3: Or guy on bench or things like that. And so that was my, – my brain went to that. Like, whoa, okay, they're offering me a role. What is it, it going to be, like a cop? With two lines, just because they like me, and he said, "I'll check." And then they wrote a little breakdown of Kenzo, and it was he actually stows away on the ship mm-hmm. for for only two episodes,
1: uh-huh.
3: and uh, and he has a couple of cool monologues and stuff like that. And I was like, "Okay, absolutely, I'll do it." Uh, and then I got the script. I only got that one episode. Episode one oh no, I have two. I got one of six where he just shows up and stares at people with his. Pretty oh, funny. yes,
2: Crippiani. <laughs> uh, yes, My then, favorite parts. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then I, I got the script for 107, and it was, it was really good, and a lot of Kenzo in it and some great scenes with Amos, and a really good scene with, uh, with Steve at the end with Holden. So I was really happy. And I was a little sad, too, because I'm like, oh, I'm going to do these two episodes, and I'm going to be gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And then um, Hawk uh, came to me, Hawk, Hawk one of the showrunners and writers, he came to me, uh, about halfway through the 107 and he said, uh, we're writing you into more episodes. Like, oh, you're, you're kidding. And he said, no, no, we really like your work you're doing. So we're going to write you into the, you know, uh, all the way through the end of the season, at least. So I was like, I was amazed. I was really happy. And, uh, you know, the, the part got, got smaller and smaller, which was understandable because the, you know, the, the, the focus of the story is not Kenzo.
1: Right. The focus of the story is
3: them. So I think Kenzo gets them to where they need to go. So I understood the nature of the character, but it was great. You know, I got to be in that shootout scene. I got to do uh, a couple other things. And then um I have so many expansive stories. And then, <laughs> then uh, I remember sitting during one oh nine, or we're not doing one oh nine yet, but we're doing one oh eight. And Hawk comes up to me, he's like, Oh my god, we just looked that last episode. You're gonna love you're the last shot of the episode, you're gonna love it. I'm like, Oh my god, I <laughs> oh can't god. wait. I can't wait to see what it
1: is.
3: And then I get the script, and I'm like, the f-? <laughs> You told me I was going to love it. I'd I get eaten by this giant creature thing. I thought I was going to get flown out into space or something, and you'll find me in another episode. I, no, I was done. So I was, like, sad about it. and, and but, but, you know, at the same time, you know, you do six episodes on a really good show. Mm. And I was, you know, in retrospect, I was, I was really happy. And then you know, I felt, I, I felt so, what I love about that show is things like, um, there was a scene in, in episode, I think it was 110 where Holden bumps into me in a hallway.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And then he shoots over me and makes me, cause I say, you're a good man. You know, you know, don't kill me. You're a good yes. man. Yeah. And then shoots over my head and makes, makes it, basically kills me. Uh, that scene in the scripts, it was just a security guard. The security guard shows up, and he threatens Holden, and Holden, because this is the point of the scene, it's just his character proving to himself that he could could kill if he needs to.
1: Right.
3: Uh, He just shoots the security guard. And it was Stephen Strait, along with with, uh, with Ty, uh, Ty Frank, who said, why don't we write Elias, that character, and turn that character to Kenzo. And they did, and the whole cast backed him. And then they wrote that whole scene for me. I, I thought it was done with the show. And then they said, "We want to come. We want to bring you back because we're doing. Uh, we're adding a scene for you." Oh, no, that's amazing! And I went. It's a really good scene. And I got to work a little bit with with, with Tom with Thomas Jane,
1: which mm-hmm.
3: or uh, so that was great. And I was really ecstatic. And then my time was up, and I had a great time. And I didn't know if it was going to get picked up. And it went not picked up. I was. It was melancholy, but I was happy for the for the people because they were really good people. And then a few months later, um, I don't remember who called me first. If it was Cass, or if it was Bob Monroe, the special effects. I think Bob shot me an email because I had met Bob because we had to do the um, the ending scene where I get he, not, There's a lot of special effects there, so that's where I met Bob. And I think it was Bob that called me, and then Cass said, "Did Bob? Did Bob call you?" Because they had been talking about this pro molecule monster hybrid. And how they're going to get it through performance capture and who could do it. And because Mm -hmm. of the background in performance capture, I didn't have to audition. I didn't have to do anything. They just called me up and they said, do you want to play this character? And I said, great. And then I went to the set and I got to work with all the actors again, playing this nine-foot-tall creature. Mm -hmm. And then we shot uh, pretty much everything out in in half a day on the mocap stage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The funniest thing about that was that (laughs) I said, yes. And then I got the breakdown for the creature, and I'm like, I I don't know how to do this. Never (laughs) done a creature before. I've never done a nine foot tall alien creature. I usually do people, and so I had to like figure out how I'm going to show up on set and and say, look, I know what I'm doing. I figured out how this creature is going to walk and move, and and I did. I figured it out, and then Bob helped when we got there. And there's a picture of me on the internet where I have these big claws i mean a mocap suit.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh,
3: the claws are made of, of actually like hard metal so I could lean on them.
1: Mm. And
3: that's how I ran. I would say that he always put his hand down because he was kind of uh, the way his body was kind of his one arm was longer than the other. Mm-hmm. So we always leaned over and always hunched over a bit and moved. I'm doing it now. You can't see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> moved in kind of a different way, like a very slow ways. and And it was great. You know, they captured my face really well and all my expressions and they captured. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they, they captured my movements really well and it, it's, the effects were amazing I remember asking um, I remember who I asked uh, and I, I asked "Well, what does he sound like and they're oh, like well you're in space it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's true I guess it doesn't matter and then when they came back for the third season I played another one i was like is this in the back of my space he said yes I'm like ah oh, son of a bitch <laughs> I wanted to bring a little bit of a vocal quality to him, but you can't if there's a season four,
2: season four. So,
3: yeah, I don't know what they're going to do for season four. I told them to give me a call if they need a performance capture monster, and I'm sure they will if they bring one in.
2: Hey, if, if they do, we're expecting your name to be on top of that list because <laughs> not, then we're going to riot.
3: I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. They're great. They're great and they're loyal, those guys. They're really cool.
0: Mm. So we've, we've, been a set and we've met these guys but we still put this on here for fun um Stephen and wes are, are they intimidating
3: no
1: <laughs> no they're, they're not
3: <laughs> like uh steven is is really the nice the nicest guy mm-hmm. uh
1: um
3: it's actually i was just thinking about this the other day i was thinking how different he is and i don't mean this in a bad way at all is how different he is on set than when I see him at like an after party or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. You, you won't get a friendlier guy at an after party. Oh, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
3: just, I'm sure you know that He's the nicest guy. On set, still very nice, but, but focused. Mm-hmm. So he's, ver- he's very much a loner. He sits in his own chair, and he's going over his script, or he's sitting there thinking, or he's usually exhausted because he's so busy, uh, and still very friendly, but very focused. Mm-hmm. and then, and, you know, literally the next day we could go to lunch and he's like super friendly Steve
1: uh, mm-hmm.
3: it just goes to show his work ethic is, yeah. is fantastic and Wes, Wes and I get along because we have kind of the same sense of humor yeah. Wes is like that guy who likes being a, likes being a bit of a prick uh, <laughs> but you know, like the love, he's like, you're being a prick but I love you so much like that's, that's what Wes is like uh, that's
2: his new title here guys <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, but he's not, he's not, you know what I mean? He's like that guy who's just like, especially with, with me, we got along because he would let, we would mock each other. Mm -hmm. And that was, we had the same type of sense of humor. And and I like, I like that about Wes. And we spent a good, good amount of time together. And Cass I've known for years. Um, and, uh, I was going to say Naomi. Um. Dominique. Yeah. yeah, Dominique and everybody, Mm -hmm. like they're all, Dominique's like so sweet and nice. Yes. And such a really talented actress. And I didn't really get to work with anybody else uh, on set. Uh, everybody, I worked with that crew. I worked with Tom a little bit. Mm-hmm. And very, very briefly. And uh, that's it. The only guy I really regret... Um, I mean, I wouldn't like to work with everybody, but the only guy I really regret is... Uh, I wish I could have work with Jared Harris.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yes.
3: Such a big fan of his. Actually, my trailer... Because my character came in right as his character went out, season one. So Mm. they gave me his trailer.
1: (laughs) And uh,
3: in drawers in his trailer, in that trailer, were his scripts covered with notes. Mm. So I would look at all of his notes for his character. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. Because
3: I love him. I love his dad. His dad was a wonderful actor, too. Mm. uh, So I was really... uh, that's really the, the one guy I'd love to uh, to work with on that show. I would have said David Strapman, but I worked with David uh-huh. for a year, uh-huh. Elvis, who I also adore.
1: The, yeah, David's another. Right.
3: So, they really cast. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I don't know how they, in an audition process, know that this person is going to be a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had Kara and just came over the other day, and it was me and Kara and my wife just hanging out. And I didn't really know her that well when she came over, and she's like greatest, the greatest girl. She's so nice.
2: She's such a <laughs> sweetheart, and, and she's so scary when she performs. And yeah, it's, it's so fun. different to meet her face-to-face because she's so bubbly, she's so energetic, and she just wants to give you a hug. It's so mm-hmm. awesome just to see that interaction. i have a good actor. Oh, yes. <laughs> now I wanted to ask you because you mentioned some of the people that you worked on in the sh- on, uh, like on the show. Um, how did Frankie's interactions with the proto molecule work? Did you work with her, or were your scenes when you're fighting with her, were they shot before, or after, just those scenes were shot? Yeah.
3: Well, I would always prefer to work with the actor I'm going to work with. I mean, season two. Uh, Steve and the pro Monco creature have a lot of interaction. Right. Uh, so I was on set. So anytime he's looking at something on set, he was looking at me or I was kind of holding my hand up to make myself nine feet and mm-hmm. like, look, look at my hand. Uh, <laughs> but often, oftentimes, especially when we rehearsed it, you know, I'd give him 100% and we'd, we, he'd be looking at me. But uh, the scheduling didn't work out for the oh, front, okay. second season, the third mm-hmm. season rather. So Frankie shot all of her stuff and then I watched it and I talked to her a bit about it, but, uh, mostly it was Bob guiding me, guiding me through it. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if you know this, Bob, may Bob tweeted about it, but there's a couple of scenes of Frankie running that are special effects scenes mm-hmm. that are me
1: <laughs>
3: because really? I was, on, I was on set. I was on the mocap set and they only, you know, they only paid, for the mocap set for a couple of days. So when we finished all of our uh, molecule stuff, they're like, okay, look, at one point, we have Bobby running, and then she's too far from camera, and we want to do a different angle, so you're going to take over, and we're going to make her performance capture. Ah! Oh. And I'll tell you guys, that was the hardest thing I had to do. Oh, on God. Because <laughs> I would have to watch Bobby run, Like, we're about the same height. I think she's about, like, maybe an inch taller than me. Mm -hmm. Um, She's about an inch taller than me. And we both have, like, a broad shoulder, so the body kind of worked out. But (laughs) she's a lot more graceful than I am. And (laughs) and she was running in a power suit. Mm -hmm. So I had to match the way she ran and walked and looked in a power suit (laughs) on a mocap stage just in a mocap suit. Oh, and I must have done it, like, 40 times before, I, before <laughs> I got it. By the end, I was exhausted. You're running. Think about that. A lot of people don't think about that with the voice capture. You see somebody running, and he's doing 40 takes of it. Okay. He's running 40 times without stopping, without, really without stopping. So by the end, I was like, I was dead. <laughs> but I think we got it. I know, you know it's very difficult to make up running in a suit that you don't have on, because I couldn't put on any suit, because right. then the computer wouldn't capture it. Uh, so it was really, it was really an interesting experience, but it's just funny watching it going, Bobby, 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 me, that's me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There I am. I'm really excited to go back and look at those scenes and just like know those details. And that's, I think something that I always bring back when we're doing interviews like this, that a lot of people don't know how much goes into creating what they see on screen, that there's a lot more, um, Little details here and there that they're not exposed to. So, this is really cool to find out because, like, now you're you get a little bit more of that knowledge. So, that's
3: especially really cool. on a show like The Expanse, right? exactly. Yeah. And you guys, you guys said you've been to you've been to set,
2: mm-hmm. yes.
3: So, how incredible is it that you go in, you know, you go on the Rosie yeah. and you're on the Rosie?
2: Yeah, like, cool. having... it's like we were there, we were home. It was
3: crazy. It's it's that's the my favorite thing about that show. And it was Star Trek was like that too, you know, they had the. The hallways were all the, the, the hallways and then you walk into a room and there's the transporter room right. and then you walk and there's the bridge. So they had them all built, which is amazing. I love that kind of stuff. And I loved especially on the, uh, the planets, um, not the planet, but the asteroid. I think it's Eros mm-hmm. that yes. we all go to. Uh, that's how much I like to show that I know all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> I say I think it's Eros, like I'm, like pretend, like I'm feigning ignorance. I know. <laughs> um, but when we get to Eros, that's built. That's like it's a giant stage yes. that looks like a tunneled-out asteroid. Mm-hmm. So much so, this is my favorite story about that, uh, the, the litter, because Eros is a dirty place and there's litter all over the place. Mm-hmm. The litter is plastic. Oh, my God. All of the paper <laughs> that you would write on is plastic because there are no trees. Yeah. So you would have to make paper out of plastic or, like, you know, paper, but no patch of paper out of plastic. <laughs> i uh, I look at them like, everything's plastic. There's no paper anywhere. It's, it would be so easy to go to build a set and go, all right, get the set deck to come in here and throw a bunch of paper on the ground. Yeah. And they go, no, 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 there's no paper on an asteroid. So, no, you can't do that. It yeah. has to be plastic. Those are the kind of details that I, I love.
1: Yeah,
0: It's super immersive. Yeah.
1: Yes.
3: Like
0: top so to bottom. It,
3: it makes it – I mean, I was pretending when I saw that giant thing suck me up. They were just flashing a blue, flashing a blue light on my face. Yeah. But uh, the the asteroid was real,
1: as far mm-hmm. as I know. So it's, yeah,
3: you know it's a, it, it's really easy to get lost in in the, in the immersiveness of it. As right. Actually...
0: Before we started recording, I was saying to Andrea that one of my favorite bits is um when everybody goes on on the Anubis, and your camera feed says canary,
1: yeah, because cause <laughs> the whole
0: canary in a coal mine thing. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So oh, I, I love that. <laughs>
3: those helmets man it's so funny the only one who looks like really good in the helmet is Wes everybody else like stretches their faces it drives me especially me I can't I look like a prangle. I, I can't watch myself with those helmets I'm like I look weird in those helmets um they were like cast hated those things I hope he has to wear it. I hope he has to wear it the whole season next season well, we'll make so a up.
2: petition so that he does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he does get a call back on season four.
3: <laughs> Just remember, it is uncomfortable. So when you see those actors, they're like, you can't pee. You gotta sit there and like that helmet's really heavy, mm. and you can't really take it off because it's a big setup to put it back on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's really uh, it's tricky on the actors when they're in those suits, especially like Bobby in the power suit. that can only imagine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It yeah, looks heavy. I...
2: It probably is heavy.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, before we get to the Twitter questions, um, I wanted to ask you if you, when the ProtoMolecule in season two died, did you hear about <laughs> the advo- advocacy group that was around the ProtoMolecule? maybe uh, I, yes.
3: I remember something vaguely about it on uh, on uh, Twitter, but <laughs> no specifics.
2: Uh, it's it's it was incredible. Just again, it's you. You created this this animal and monster and everybody was like, Give him rice, why does he have to die? He was only hungry. <laughs> it was so
0: funny.
3: Just um, we even named
0: that. him. His name is Prody.
3: Yeah, I knew that. I knew about that. I, about I should change I have- the am the IMDb thing to Prody.
2: Just Prody yeah, I mean, yeah. It's funny because um at work I have a fish and his name is Prote so the kid <laughs> Prote and he flew so I mean all ah, set there. <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> all right, so in terms of the Twitter questions, um, you, again, um, you probably looked through them. Um, there were a lot of death questions. So yeah, we
0: put them easy. at the end. <laughs> it was very morbid.
2: <laughs> so we're gonna start with the happy things and then we're all gonna right. get into deeper and darker things. So the first question. Um, is by Slay Cosplay. He says, "I just want him to know that his work is amazing, and maybe ask what his most challenging scene was and why."
3: On the expense in particular, are um, <sighs> you running like Bobby. Right?
1: Yeah, like
3: <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing that was actually really challenging. There's not nothing much really challenging with uh, with Kenzo. His scenes are pretty straightforward. The directors were great. The actors are great. Uh, wearing the suits of bitch, but it's not really challenging. Uh, one thing that was challenging is interesting with the proto man is when we were on, when I was on the set with the actors, the set was a certain size, but the proto man is nine feet tall mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm 5'10". So when we got on the mocap set, they mathematically made the sets, they rebuilt the set kind of. They didn't need to, you know, decorate it, but they rebuilt the the set in, in like, scaffolding Mm -hmm.
1: uh,
3: mathematically so that I would actually be nine feet, if you understand what I'm saying. Like, they shrank it down so I would be the right kind of size. And what was challenging about that was uh, on the day on the actual set, you know, if I climbed up a ladder, it would be five steps. But now that ladder, if I take five steps, I'd fall off. Now I have to take two steps. Right. Uh, or I, I, picked up a box on set, and it was actually, I uh, like it's supposed to be massive. Like I, I couldn't actually pick it up. But then on the day, the box is really small on the mocap set, so I had to figure out, well, how do I make this look like it's really heavy, and how do I make this leap look like as far as the leap was on the on the set? That was challenging. It was a great challenge. It was very fun. Uh, and you'd be surprised. You know, you don't usually get to get to work as an actor and go. Uh, I was told there would be no math because you have to, you have to figure it out mathematically. Like I'm this tall, this is how tall this is. Can we add this? No, because it doesn't work out, and things like that. That was that was that was a challenge. Yeah,
2: and again, it's those details that I find so fascinating that you guys like work through every little bit of that, and I want to call it science or the mathematical aspects of it, and try to make it as realistic as possible. Because um, a lot of other shows or movies would kind of like overlook that and not see it as something that's very important. Um, but it's really cool that the attention to detail is always there.
1: Yeah.
3: And they take the time. That's the thing. Because yeah. especially in television, is, is a time thing. It's just they don't. It's not like movies. You do a movie and you have, you're sitting as an actor. You're sitting there for for hours and hours, sometimes days. You don't do the scene because they're like, oh, I'll well, just spend as much time as we want on this scene. But with TV, uh, you don't have that much time. Okay. You got to knock off an episode in in eight days probably. Uh, with this expensive thing, it's eight to ten days most episodes, right. and sometimes you're sometimes you're block shooting two three episodes at a time which is also very tricky for the actors. But it's all about time, all about time management. So that's why I appreciate it even more when they pay attention to the details. Right. Because it takes takes time to do that.
0: It shows love. It does. (laughs) A lot of love. Um, So our next question is from uh, The Hermes, who wanted to know what you liked most about being Kenzo and what you did to help create that character and bring him more to life than just obviously from the page.
3: Um. there's a uh, do you guys know the actor Michael Ironside? You know, I, you, you, you know him if you saw him. He's in yeah. Total Recall yeah. and Top Gun and, uh, he's the bad guy in Total Recall. Mm. He's in Starship yes. Troopers. He's, he's a wonderful actor. He's a friend of mine. Mm. And I, I, cause I've done a few movies with him. And the reason I bring him up is because one, once we were doing a movie and he went and watched the monitor while I was doing a scene. And, uh, then I was going to, on a car ride with him, and he said to me, the thing about you is when I look at you on camera, I can't tell what's happening behind your eyes.
1: I was mm-hmm. like, is that, a, is that a
3: good thing or is that a bad thing? He said, that's going to get you a lot of work. He said, it's going to lose you a lot of work, too, because sometimes they just want black and white type of thing. But the great thing about a show like The Expanse is they embrace that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And a character like Kenzo is, you're not supposed to know what's going on behind his eyes. Right. You know, like in, in in all honesty, I played him like he's a spy. And he's trying to get the information he's supposed to get
1: mm-hmm. to shore Uh but that doesn't make him a bad guy. No. Uh, so when he says things like "I
3: have a family too" and things like that, he's exaggerating.
1: Yeah. I
3: always said I always said you know he doesn't have an immediate family. He's not married, but. You know, he's got people he cares about that he wants to get home to and things like that. So I always kind of put a little bit of humanity into him. But I do have this innate ability as an actor to play characters like that and make people not know exactly if he's on the level. Right. Um, That's why I play a lot of bad guys, frankly,
1: Mm.
3: Um, because it makes it more interesting than just I'm evil or or, I'm good. It's, It's just it's. What is this guy? Not a lot of people trusted him, but then some people really liked him because they thought, hey, man, he is just doing his job.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. So I, I I, tried to bring that to Kenzo. I think that's probably why they ended up writing me more stuff because they saw, okay, well, now he's not only just a vessel for the script to advance, but he's giving this guy an actual personality and character because mm-hmm. um, it's very easy to get lost when you play these supporting characters. You have to, you have to remember what they're there for as an actor right. and Kenzo's character is not there for Kenzo he's there for two ways two reasons one to get them to Eros mm-hmm. and uh, to get the characters Eros. and two to have growth in Stephen's character
1: mm-hmm. it's yes. not about
3: the growth of Kenzo it's about the growth of Stephen. uh so you have to know that as an actor uh you have to be able to see that as an actor and and, and give the scene everything that that it needs to move the script along but while you're doing that, without being selfish, you have to make the character real. Right. And a lot of actors try to make it just about themselves. Like I've, heard, <laughs> I've heard stories, I don't remember which filmmaker this was, but I heard a story about some actor who was playing a truck driver who only had to open the door and say, get in, or something like that. And uh, <laughs> I'm not getting the story completely factually accurate, but it's something like you just had to say, get in. And he came up with this entire backstory and then played it on screen, and then the director came in, like, what are you doing? He said, well, you know, I came up with this story. I "I don't don't give a shit about that. You're supposed to say get in. Get in. It's not about you. It's about the character getting in your truck. (laughs) And then once you learn that as an actor, you realize what your job is as an actor. When you're the lead, like Steve, you have to move the story along as it follows you. When you're a supporting character, your job is to help the leading characters to continue their story. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, I don't consider anybody on the crew supporting. They're all the lead they're all the leads of the show. They all have their own separate stories. But any kind of supporting character that goes along with them is there only to build their stories. If you understand what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was my job on the show. But at the same time, I tried my best to make him human, have a background, but not be selfish about it. Yeah. Like not make sure that they know this thing's not about me, but make sure that I'm gonna give them a real person and a real character.
1: Yeah.
3: Um it-
2: <laughs> and that, just, that's super important. No, I was just going to say, like, it, it's very important. And you do do the character justice because at the end, you're kind of sad that he dies. And you kind of hate him at one point. And then yeah. you love him. You're like, okay, you can sympathize a little bit, but you still don't trust him. And then you feel good. And then you feel bad. You made us feel a lot of things.
0: Let's just. Uh, <laughs> I, have I ugly laugh. One. Every time the goldfish line is dropped, I ugly laugh. And I feel kind of bad about that. But it's just... The goldfish, yeah. Yeah, it's just the goldfish. Um, but, yeah, because I just rewatched it, too. So I was thinking about that the other day. It was just like, you know, at the very beginning, the first shot you see him, when he's just watching Naomi and holding out for drinks, you're just like, ooh, this is, uh, this this
1: is, is weird. Oh, that's <laughs> <And laughs> that
3: took so long. That took so long because they were, they were, it's really hard to focus when you're doing an extreme close-up on one subject on one object. Yeah. So Jeremy, the DP, who I love, uh, he was just trying so hard in the folklore, just trying so hard to move just the right, and I can't blink, so I'm like, <laughs> trying not to blink. It took a long time to do that. Oh, wow.
1: uh,
3: and the really funny thing about that is that I didn't know Steve or Adama then. Mm-hmm. I had not met them yet. So I'm, I show up on set, they're over there giving me an eyeline, I'm staring at these two people I've never seen before. <laughs> Staring. Yeah. Uh, it's what it's like being an actor.
1: <laughs> oh
2: boy. We need a restraining order here. <laughs> <laughs> that guy? <laughs> all right. So the next question. Um it's from at Mr. Precision. So which form of acting do you find the most challenging or rewarding? Live action or voice acting with or without the mocap?
3: They all have their unique challenges. Uh You know, I mean, I could get into specifics, but I won't, but there's, you know, like live action acting on television is many, many hours, a lot of waiting around, a lot of, uh, you know, hitting your mark properly for focus. Uh, I mean, mean, I'm not going to get it, but all the technical stuff is very different. It brings its own challenges in the sound booth. You know, there's a lot of, uh, actually, to be honest, quite frankly, a lot of TV and film actors can't do voice acting properly. Mm-hmm. Because they just they just don't know how to work the technique.
1: Uh,
3: there's so many things they they can do it eventually, but you, they have to learn it. They're just taken out of film and TV and thrown into an a sound booth. A very very few of them can do it uh, quickly and properly without you know taking up a lot of time because they they're popping on the mic or they're uh, moving around too much. Or there's little little technical things you do with your you know your your vocal cords things like that, just to make different sounds, and stuff like that, stuff you learn over time. Uh, so those are those challenges. Uh, performance capture has its own challenges. You're in a tight suit, you feel like an idiot, but you have to. You have to still give, like, 100%. But no matter what the medium, even on stage, I've done a lot of stage work, too. I started out doing nothing but stage work. Um, no matter what the medium is, you approach the character from the same Uh, standpoint. You always approach the characters. What does he or her want? Uh, how, how does he go about getting it? What are the obstacles in his way? How does he feel about those obstacles? Uh, that's, that's what you do. So, like I said, when I talk about Kenzo making him, you know, realistic, yes, the scene was all about, you know, moving the story along, but Kenzo was like, what are the obstacles that I have to get through? Do I have to convince, uh, Holden not to kill me because I don't want to die? Because I need to keep spying? Like, mm-hmm. is it gonna be bad if I go back to to Shore a and she's gonna kill me, or like, you know what I mean? it's just all these things that you map out. Uh, right. My point is that you do that for everything, no matter what. The only thing I don't do that for is like when I do, like I do a lot of Lexus commercials.
1: Mm, uh, I, yeah. Then I
3: just say whatever the hell they want me to say <laughs> in a in a cool voice. I try to give it, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I try to give it passion, but I don't like. I'm not breaking down a character who won't know or anything. Yeah. But every Everything else, if it's character work, I approach it exactly. The same. They all bring the different challenges, but I approach it the same.
1: Yeah.
3: I, I know if it, to answer his question succinctly, I don't prefer one over the other. Mm. Some days I like voice work because it's only four hours out of a day. Yeah. But some days I like to be on a set for 15 hours with a bunch of great actors.
1: Yeah.
3: So it's, yeah, I don't really have a preference. mm
0: so, uh, I'm probably gonna butcher this because I, I only know her real name, but, uh, Ace Stamp here, uh, <laughs> asked, yeah, Maury, um, ha, if, had Kenzo not been eaten, um, on Eros, <laughs> how different do you think his story would have been? Like, what do you think he'd be up to if he came back to seasons two or three? Would he still be, like, conniving? Um, I, don't,
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think, um, I think he would have ended up going back to Earth and he mm-hmm. would have been in that. In that whole story crew. Yeah. If he had somehow gotten off, an, off of Eros, right. he would have gone
1: back.
3: He would have gone back and talked to Avisarala uh, and said, this is what happened, and then kind of hung out with her. Or she would have punished him and just threw him in jail or something. <laughs> but, hung uh, you up
2: like those belters.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
1: but I love Shorey, by the way. She's amazing. Yeah, no, she's great. <laughs> yes. um, I love everybody in the Like, I really do. It's, <laughs>
3: It's my biggest regret about the show is that I don't get to work with those people as much mm-hmm. as I did. That really is what it is. Like I'm doing another show on Amazon starting next next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's a great show. I've not met anybody on the show yet. And I was like, I wish I was still doing this
1: now.
3: Just because I love the people so much. It's not the work. I love the show too, but I just yeah. like, you know, I just love going to work. Um. I'm sure I'm going to love this new show, too. Hmm. But um, what was the question? Oh, yeah, what was the <laughs> um, Yeah, I think he would have gone back. That's what I think. He would have survived, gone back to Earth to report to Shorey, and maybe had been in that whole, you know, camp. I don't think he would have protected her. I think he's more of a, of a weasel than that. Yeah. Uh, but he maybe would have been in that whole Earth camp. Probably would have died when she was trying to get away, when Bobby shows up and all that stuff.
1: You would have been Theo. Like, yeah. he's the, yeah, the guy who gets killed
0: uh, by uh co <laughs> That probably would have Next ended up
2: yeah. What like
3: yeah, it would have been something
2: like that.
3: Yeah. fan fiction. We'll see what happens.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't get into those slippery slopes, but. <laughs> All right. So, now. The part that you probably <laughs> have been waiting for. You've been dying, no pun intended, to listen to these questions.
1: My favorite question time. is
0: in this section. My no, favorite no, question no. is in this section. So, <laughs>
2: you partially responded on Twitter to the <laughs> individual. So, add Bobbert Monroe. Oh, oh,
1: oh. Ask
2: him, <laughs> as in ask you. If it's bad form for me to expect to kill him on other shows I'm doing, he's my cowbell. How would you respond to that?
3: Didn't I respond with Will Ferrell bashing you the did. <laughs> no.
1: yep.
3: Uh Bob is like, again, see another person on the expanse. So that the people that don't know that Bob Moreau, he was responsible for the effects in the last three seasons of the expanse. Uh, he and I worked really well together. Mm. And... uh I mean, if he asked me to come die on a show for him, I, I would do it in a second. It's, it's a really interesting thing about the about performance capture and voice work is that, um, like, on TV, I will not accept a role unless it's a really good movie or I'm working with a really good actor or something like that or a director. I won't accept a role that's anything lower than uh, guest star or, like, major recurring. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's just I tell my agent like, no, I've got past that part of my career. I'm not doing it unless it's you know there are always you know caveats things like that. But for the most part, I won't accept a small role in a in a thing. Um, but with performance capture and the voice work, that that ego is not there because it it can't be damaging to your career. In a weird way, the reason actors don't accept like tiny role on a TV show once they've been doing nothing but guest stars
1: Mm.
3: is because you don't want that on your resume. You want it to say guest star recurring, guest star, guest star, lead, lead, lead. You don't want suddenly like co-star actor, especially on the top of your resume. You just don't want that. But with performance capture and voice work, it's like I'll come in for four hours and play like in the Spider-Man game that came out today. Mm. Uh, One of my first gigs in LA was a few months ago. The Spider-Man game called me like, look, we need a bunch of cops you just come in and play a bunch of cops and a bunch of bad, and a bunch of bad guys. So I had like four hours. I just went in and I just played a bunch of New York cops. And then I played a bunch of New York bad guys. And so when you play the game, you'll bump into me playing a cop, but I don't look at that and go, well, you know, I'm not going to take that role because who cares? It's just a background voice in a thing. Nobody's going to look at it and go, Oh, he's, he's, uh, he's damaging his career by taking a smaller role. And the same thing with performance capture. So Bob calls me and goes, Look, uh, you're gonna double for the lead. Who's gonna uh, who's gonna die? Nobody's gonna know it's you. You'll make X amount of money, and we get to work together for a couple of days. And sure, I'll come in to do that for sure. Mm. So I'll gladly do that, especially for Bob, because I get to work with Bob again, and I like you know um, money. So
1: <laughs> I don't
3: I don't mind doing that sort of thing, as long as you know I'm still doing the leads on the shows and the leads in the games. Somebody tweeted at me today when they saw that I'm in Spider-Man, they said one thing I love about voice actors is one game you're the lead, and the next game you're a bunch of cops. I'm like, yeah, that's the best thing. And yeah. then after this, Assassin's Creed comes out, and I'm one of the leads in that. And then another game's going to come out, and I'm going to be a bunch of characters. But on TV <laughs> and film, you won't find actors kind of going back to smaller roles.
1: Right.
3: So that's why I love performance capture and voiceover work.
0: I mean, people remember, like, I, I mean, so I always remember the um – I don't know what they were called, but like the guards from Assassin's Creed One, like I hear their voices in my head all the time because I would trigger yeah. them all the time. So like it's not yeah. like you're you're gonna stick in somebody's brain I, I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna remember a bunch of cops chasing me down. Like <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh, I did that in that.
3: Assassin's Creed, man. I did what well, I played a major role in Assassin's Creed two. Yeah. Uh, but in I Assassin's Creed go. One, yeah, in Assassin's Creed One and I think a few of the others. I played a bunch of those. Yeah. Uh, they, we call them quest guys.
1: Mm.
3: It's really annoying to record because what you do is you show up and all of your lines are, this way, follow me. Yeah. <laughs> Help, me out. Help me. Like there's like, like the a the whole He's he, The
0: girl must be beautiful is the one I remember from Assassin's Creed 2. Like he <laughs> must be late and the girl must
3: be beautiful.
1: <laughs>
3: or, or bad guys, bad guys in games like, uh, do you hear something? I did that for Spider-Man. Oh, my God. So much for Spider-Man. You hear something? Go over there. It's the the spider. And things like
1: that. I love it. Well, congratulations on (laughs) Spider-Man.
3: That's funny. I did a lot of that stuff. It just popped in. Yeah.
2: We should honestly just have her him just say lines and not even record an interview. That would have been fun too.
1: He <laughs> never gets paid for that
2: stuff. I know, right? Hey,
3: I think the union requires that you pay me for that.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn it.
2: All right. So, um, next question is this from Trey my, this is my favorite. X. What character would you like to play in season four and how would you like them to die?
1: They're giving you the choice.
3: Like, which, which character should take over? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you do, you want,
2: do you want to live? I mean, do I don't know. Love, my, like, who you, who would you want to play? It's
3: not in the books, but it, it would be super cool if, like, Prody came back yeah. and played, like a character <laughs> and, like, had dialogue. Like, just, the
1: like, crew pet.
3: Yeah, like the crew pet, but, like, Gollum. I not really trust him, <laughs> and he's hanging out. In the, I mean, they're going into that alternate place right now, so yeah. maybe there's a bunch of uh, maybe there's a bunch of prote guys. I'll be the leader, but I want to have dialogue, want to yeah. have little, little conversations.
0: You're the leader of the prote. Holden would love that.
1: Yeah.
2: Favorite line
1: scene.
0: Yeah. I mean,
2: Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have like dreams of this. No, but it's funny because <laughs> that moment when um is dying and he's like in that baby form and he has the what's it called in his hands. Oh the new um, oh,
1: Yeah. The
2: new guy. That's Mingle right there. He's this like my preface. That's, and it's, true.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's it's how I really played it. That's funny. Yeah.
3: we yeah. didn't I don't think we did anything. I think once he's holding it and floating. I don't think that's me. I have a vague recollection of, like, lying on the ground. Obviously, <laughs> obviously I can't. Him in a fetal position. So they may have used that, but, like, all the crawling all the way up to, jumping up to catch it is me. But then I think it takes over completely animated by the time he's talking <laughs> uh, I don't remember. I um, think like, he doesn't want to that.
2: admit that that was him crying because he <laughs> was off again in season
3: two. <laughs> yeah. Once a season. Yeah, once a season. it's it's not as bad as when uh, Bobby shoots me in the head
0: oh yeah a lot
3: yeah yeah. (laughs) many times and we did a whole bunch of takes of that because we didn't know if he was going to get hit and then fall immediately get hit and look at her get hit and like just crumble on top of her we did a whole bunch and they picked whichever one they liked and they obviously like the one where he kind of looks at her and goes, what'd you do that for?
2: <laughs> Again, Prody Rice. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, he he just wanted a hug. He wanted a friend.
3: That's what I want to do. I want to be Prody Man, but the problem with him is that he comes with picket signs and he's he's protesting.
1: For <laughs> the that was, the- was an inside job. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's funny that you say the picket signs because that – um. I created the um, advocacy group. It's, it's not a meme, but it's a picture of people with picket signs saying, like, Prody Life Matters. I'm going to have to find <laughs> that picture and retweet it. Yes, please for do. This. <laughs> because, again, that's what people love, and that's how people remember you. So, it's, it, I, And I wanted to bring this up um, because you mentioned it. Um, some people, and I saw this in an interview, they've called you the Canadian Andy Circus. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an honor.
2: Yeah. yeah, So that's pretty awesome. So Shannon, next question.
0: Yeah. yeah. So these these two are the are kind. Yeah. This one's tied in the last one. Uh, Plydex wanted to know, uh, like how how are they gonna kill you then in season four if you play the tough guy prote? Take With second time. With a second time.
1: Um
3: who says they have to kill me? Maybe he'll last another season. That's true. <laughs> Maybe he'll live this time. Yeah.
1: So no, I, have
3: no, I in all honesty I have no idea what they're planning. I talked I talked to all the creatives at the uh the premiere of the final episode
1: mm. and
3: they're all like, Yeah, yeah, we're gonna bring we're gonna bring you back. We're trying to figure out ways to kill you But I don't know if that means, <laughs> you know, if that proto creature's coming back. Okay. I don't know if they're just gonna you know, have me just come as, up as a joke and then have, yeah. have me play somebody running and dying. Who knows? They just want to keep the, uh, they want to keep the, <laughs> the tradition going.
1: Yeah. Right? Which is an honor.
3: Anytime I get to go up there to go on set to hang out with these guys, I mean, I just, I'll take it and be super fun. I don't
1: care All if it's right. a day or a week. So, <clears throat> our
0: last. Twitter question, Twitter Reddit question, because I had some Reddit people in here, is from Ben Rothig, and he wanted to know, what is your favorite on-screen death?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Give there me six, we go. Give me, give me
3: six hours to think about it. Because <laughs> I've had so many. You know, I mean, not because we're talking about The Expanse, but really that ending uh, of season one is, is probably yeah. my best, like, the best death. It's, it's super cool to die. Like super so weird. I mean I've been I've been shot many times. Uh, <laughs> I've been eaten by a vampire. I've been eaten by this one was pretty good. That movie I told you about the the, the kind of tremors mm-hmm. the sci-fi tremors movie. It was about a bunch of soldiers in Afghanistan that awaken a bunch of trem like snakes under the ground. And I'm the last guy to die and I'm running and I jump, and a tremor comes up from the ground and grabs me. And that was oh. on my birthday. <laughs> I was hooked up to a harness in Romania. I was oh, hooked God. up to a harness, and they were just, like, yanking me back as if I'm getting eaten by this creature. And it plays pretty well. It's a pretty good death. The special effects are actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so that one's pretty good. Uh, I've been hung. I've been shot many times. <laughs> I've, been, I've been tortured to death many times. Hmm. Um Yeah. Mostly shots.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I think, honestly,
3: I mean, not just because we're talking about these fans, but that depth is gonna be hard to tell.
1: I mean,
0: I I read the book. I read the first book before I watched the first season. It's kind of the way I deal with the uh, adaptations. And so when I watched that, because that obviously nothing like that happens in the books, okay. I literally stopped and was like, what? Yeah. just happened yeah. what yeah. happened to him Like
3: I love the little you know, extra meat that shows up and yeah. you know, like, oh, look how cute he is
1: yeah he said, said, he's copying me yeah. oh wait a second <laughs> yeah it was
0: pretty pretty epic way to go out
3: yeah I don't think that's going to gonna be hard to top
0: yeah Wait until season four, <laughs> <laughs> unless she doesn't die. We just covered this.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Let's just hope for the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All
2: right. Any other questions? Anything else that you want to tell us uh, before we wrap things up?
0: Anything you want to? Anything you want to bump
1: before you? Oh, uh, just um, like. Anything you're I'm allowed sure to? Just,
3: yeah. uh, aside from Assassin's Creed. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, that's true, I Odyssey, mean,
3: yeah. yeah. Odyssey is going to be a big one. Um, I played two characters in it. Uh, one is Leonidas, which is amazing.
1: That's super really, cool. a lot of
3: fun. Uh, and then the other one is, I, I'm not allowed to say until the yeah. game comes yeah. out. But it's also a very, very good character.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I'm surprised they let me play both. Because initially, <laughs> the weird thing about games is sometimes you'll go in and they'll, they'll say... Uh, especially with performance capture, they'll say, okay, you're playing Leonidas, can you play this other character just kind of like as a placeholder? Uh, because we haven't cast the actor yet. And no. what happened with that one was, because I'm, on the, I'm there on the day, so they're like, well, you're here, so can you just performance capture this character?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, they, they because I was already mic'd up and I already did, and I decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to change my voice a little bit for this character. And uh, they liked what I did so much that they're like, I think we're going to, keep you as this character and recast Leonidas. Uh, and I protested, not, you know, not vehemently. right?
2: <laughs> picket signs.
3: Yeah. yeah, picket signs. I was angry. I was just like, no, 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 please, please don't do that. Just I'll change, bring me back into the sound booth, and if there's anything that sounds too much alike, I'll change my my voice because I really liked playing Leonidas. And he gets get to do a lot of cool stuff. And I wrote, this is a good lesson to, to actors, is I said that to the people on set the, you know, the direct, the cinematic director and the writers. And they're like, well, I don't know. We'll see. And the audio director, like, I don't know. We'll see. So I found out who was the head creative of the entire game.
1: Ooh.
3: And I wrote him an email and I said, please don't change it. Like, trust me, you're not going to get, it. because they didn't have time to um, re-performance capture so they would, they would have had another actor go over my, Performance capture performance. Mm-hmm. I said you're not going to get as good of a performance if you if you're doing it like a half an actor, you know, two halves of one actor. I mean, rather two actors performing one character. Uh, I said, trust me. I said if you want, I'll change my voice in recording sessions a little more if you feel like. And to their credit, they're like, no, you know what? We watched the thing. You sound different enough. Your characters are further enough apart. You can do it. And I love it. I love it for that.
1: That's yes, really
3: sir. cool. I just wanted to show you. Find a big cheese and, and talk to that
0: person. Yeah, that is awesome.
3: <laughs> Find a producer if you can.
1: No, without no, being, being rude about it. Go but right yeah, to their awesome. manager. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> All right. So, Elias, thank you so, so much. We had fun storytelling. We learned a lot about the work that you've been doing. It was really cool hearing your voice and picturing <laughs> you in different um video games and different shows um it was a pleasure and I think a lot of people are going to really really enjoy listening to all that you have to do um in future works and all that stuff so thank you so much
3: nice thanks thanks you guys
0: and congrats on Spider-Man yes everybody go buy spider-man remember i've heard it's very good
3: it's good and yuri lowenthal the lead is a friend of mine he plays peter parker in spider-man and he's yeah amazing. i've been a
0: fan of his for a while i used to watch a lot of anime oh
3: so. you know, Yuri. <laughs> yeah he's a really another really like great guy there are a lot of good guys in this business mm. a lot of good people in this business yeah.
2: just make sure that you take pleasure in shooting everybody <laughs> Sounds like Elias because <laughs> <those> <laughs>
3: everybody sounds like me
2: <laughs> in the game, not in real life, <laughs> all right, thank you so so much um yeah, and t- yes, and tune in for the rest of the stuff for the show,
0: so that was our interview with Elias. uh, we Woo-hoo! hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it uh and now that that's you know in the bag we're going to wrap up the show so as i said earlier uh if you want to let us know about ideas you have for future episodes of the show if you want to let us know what you think uh you can find us online you can email us at typebeam at randomchatter.com you can also find us on twitter our twitter handle is at the don't forget the the which i've been waiting to say for a very long time <laughs> uh you can also find the network at random chatter, uh, Lou and Eric aren't here tonight. You can find Lou at Lou Skywalker without the E. You can find Eric at Eric Blythe. It's just his name. Uh, Andrea, where can we find you? You can find me at Katz Spares. That's K-A-T-Z-P-E-A-R-Z. And uh, you can find me at Shank Beasy. And Andrea, where can you find Elias? You can find him at Elias Texas.
2: Uh, the that's e l i a s t o u s e x i s
0: excellent uh you can also find we do have an instagram account uh it is random chatter i believe Tim was posting stuff from dragon con on there so if you want to peek and see what Tim was up to probably whatever tim's into um you can find it on our instagram. You can also find uh, more about the network, more of our shows at randomchatter.com
2: another thing that you can do is also spread the word you can leave reviews share us on social media and word of mouth is always amazing we love hearing you guys sharing that um, you're involving everybody into the expanse community and we do want to hear about what you guys enjoy listening to and your feedback so leave us an iTunes review we always love getting those if you have an email for us shoot us one we love receiving typing messages um and seriously just spread the love because that's just another way that we can get people to enjoy the show that everybody loves
0: you can also join our community of numerous listeners uh from all over the fandom spectrum by heading to randomchatter.com discord now only a few of our channels are accessible to our non-patreon donors you can head to main lobby where everyone kind of hangs out and and chit chats you know how it is uh, but we also have our channels for the shows accessible to anybody who wants to join but if you do want access to like our numerous 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 channels of more specific content you can head to randomchatter.com slash patreon For the low, low monthly donation of $1, you'll have access to our complete Discord community. And we would be super grateful for any support you could give the network. Uh, We do need help keeping the lights on sometimes. But again, any kind of support is important. So please just keep sharing the word. If you want to be a Patreon donor, we would super, super, super appreciate it. Uh, The music you hear at the beginning and end of the show is Ursa Minor by Cell Dweller. And as, you know, ridiculous as this sounds, uh, all trademarks are owned by their respective owners. So thanks for listening, guys. Take care.